0: PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits. By being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful, humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults-only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, Nameless, and welcome to PD Raw.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm excited to have a celebrity on because you have your very own YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, it seems like I do at least. Um.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Called the Nameless Narcissist, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm calling you Nameless now.
1: This is true. This is true. Yeah, I am the Nameless Narcissist. I do content about living with narcissistic personality disorder and the things that go on my head. So, so when did you like i'm kind of surprised i didn't notice that you were doing this prior to now when did you start doing this
0: uh a month ago not long ago a month ago
1: okay that yeah, explains had it the idea. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 it's only just starting
1: because i would yeah because like i i like to think that i keep pretty like up to date with that kind of stuff okay but yeah and so like when i when somebody was like oh yeah there's like a podcast now that like focused on personality disorders i was like Wait, and nobody told me? What the fuck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's only had, I think, 172 downloads so far. So you're not, you're not like, uh, way behind.
1: Uh, fair enough. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Hey, so, that's better than I was doing, at, at yeah. you, uh, given how, well, uh, I don't remember. I, trust me, it's a slow fucking burn getting up to any sort of significance.
0: Okay, how long have you been at it?
1: <sighs> a little over a year now, I think.
0: Okay. And yeah. and how did that start off? Was it slightly disheartening
1: or? We'll see. So there was two, honestly, like the initial reaction I had to it was like way more well received than I thought it was going to. Um, it started off because I made friends with a borderline actually. And she and me and her were going to make a podcast and we did like two episodes and then mm-hmm. we're both neurotic as shit. So <laughs> we <laughs> fell off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what happened then with your Your neurotic was it? It was hard to keep going. In what way?
1: Ma- mainly, it's just that, like you know, we'd be like, okay, let's like record some stuff, and then it then like the day would come, and one of us would be like, actually, I want to kill myself. So let's uh, <laughs> let's postpone. <laughs> you know, we're, like you know, us cluster bees, we get into moods like all the time, and we just could never get it right.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
1: and, but yeah, then eventually, so that we just stopped doing that, but I did post that like everywhere on Reddit mm-hmm. and it was received pretty well. One mm-hmm. day I'm depressed and want to vent to people and I can't because at the time I didn't co- come out in quotes with my diagnosis to my friends. So I couldn't like really talk about some of the things that were really bugging me. So I was like, fuck it. I'll make a YouTube channel and also get some attention from it.
0: Yep. <laughs> So, okay, so that's what I wanted to ask you was, um, how did you get your diagnosis?
1: Mm. It's a, so there's like two layers to this, because I'm a little bit of an odd case with how early on I even suspected I was a narcissist, because Mm -hmm. the first time I was diagnosed, well, I wasn't diagnosed this time, but it was like proposed that I might have narcissistic traits or (laughs) whatever. Yeah. was, um, and how, let me put it this way. How, like, not safe for work can it get on this podcast? Because, like, my original <laughs> story is kind of violent.
0: Okay. Um, I've definitely marked it as adults only.
1: Okay. So I'm just going to go ham then. <laughs> <laughs> so I was 16 at the time. maybe I may have even been 15. Um, and I basically got into a fight with my mom about something. And I don't remember what it was, but I was being kicked out of the house. And as I'm packing up my shit, I'm telling her that I'm bringing my computer. And she like, and she's like, she starts laughing at me and I become like in a rage. And my dad's over, my parents are separated, but my dad was over like bringing me to his house or wherever, whoever the fuck would take me at the time. And she laughs at me and I go over to the kitchen counter. and I take a knife and I mutilate myself and I tell her, look what you made me di- do. Do you want these to get deeper? And I push her to the ground. Mm-hmm. and. That's like my anger, angry outbursts were always really bad, but that's when it hit like a pinnacle of, okay, get this kid into fucking therapy. Um, and so it was first proposed then, but then I just kind of shoved in the back of my, like, it, obviously I was like 15, 16. So they weren't going to diagnose me as a narcissist back then, but it was always kind of in the back of my head since then kind of like, yeah, that might be a thing, but you know, whatever, who cares? Um, and eventually I, because like I, I knew something was wrong, right? I don't think you have a personality disorder. You don't know something's not right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> and, right, right. <laughs> and so after that, um I was at this point I was I want to say I was like 2021. 20, I I was probably uh, 20 Yeah, 2020. 20. I was dating this girl and like she was really good for me. Um but like I got into the phase that I was just kind of like So let me put it this way. Somebody with high borderline traits came back into my life and I had, I guess, an emotional affair, you could call it, with this Mm -hmm. girl. And it ended up killing the relationship I was actually in. Uh, And then I go to therapy to impress the borderline traits girl. I'm like, look how healthy I am. I'm working (laughs) on myself. I'm so great. Um,
0: Hey whatever way you get there is good.
1: (laughs) Right yeah, right. I laugh at it too because they're always yeah, narcissists will go into therapy for their partner sometimes. I'm like, no, I wasn't like oh wait, yes I was. Oh well. Um (laughs) So they uh (laughs) but and then like after the first session, this girl breaks up with me. But so like obviously my efforts there were fucking well put. (laughs) <laughs> so I literally, uh, uh, so I, but after that, I was kind of like, wait, I left this girl that was really good to me and like cheat on her with this girl who I've been on and off with for like a long time and who treats me like shit. And I re- was realizing that my childhood was kind of shitty. And I was realizing like, I don't know why I do half the fucking things I do. And eventually that just kept me in therapy. I was like, I need to figure out what the hell is going on. I am not having a good time. Um, so I was there, so I just stuck it, stuck it through. And, uh, after two years, I stopped lying to my therapist and, yeah. and I got diagnosis.
0: <laughs> oh, so they, they weren't able to give you a diagnosis or you think maybe they, they just withheld it until you were more open.
1: Um, they, my therapist had no clue until I, well, like, cause I, I, I've always been super conscious about my grandiosity. I know that people don't like um, when somebody thinks that they're better than them. Mm -hmm. And so I was very, always very conscious of like, I can't come like I used to come off like that way more, but like at the point where I started therapy, I was like, okay, if I'm acting like an arrogant piece of shit, people aren't really going to like me. And I kind of really need people to like me.
0: (laughs) Mm. But (laughs) lots and lots of people say this, it's really hard for them to open up to the therapist um, uh-huh. people with narcissism because they don't want to be rejected by the therapist. But in the end, it it just keeps you in a loop, doesn't it?
1: Oh God. Yeah. I mean, doing wrong, like there were some parts of therapy before I like started being completely open that were like helpful. Um, sure. But I was like anything that w- I would be so ashamed of like the smallest things. And then like, it, it was so weird being in therapy because it's, it was like I was trying to like basically like feed tiny bits of who I really was to my therapist. And mm. if they replied in even the smallest bad way, I would just completely shut down and like go to a different topic. It was like I was constantly testing her being like, are you going to react to how I want you to react to me admitting this kind of shameful thing?
0: Then what, after two years, you felt she had accepted you and you were able to start trusting?
1: Um, I just kind of had a moment. <laughs> Honestly. Um, I was complaining about one of my friends and basically being like, oh, like they think they understand me, but they really don't. It pisses me off, yada, 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 because you know, that's just, that's par for the course. And I, and I remember like, I just sit there like, and I like exhale, like just annoyed at the people in my life. And I look at her and I just like start laughing. I just say, but you know, it makes sense. Right. Cause they're all so fucking stupid. And she's like "Well, wait what <laughs> <And> i'm like <laughs> i'm like they complain that they that i think that i'm better than them but i mean look at them and look at me and i go on this grandiose tirade just Ooh. completely just being like i just like let it all go mm-hmm. um and I, I remember standing up hat, putting on my coat being like man that felt fucking good because i knew i was like holding that shit in for so long and she and i remember she was like yeah well uh i'm humbled that you shared that with me and i say were you fucking mocking me?
0: Ah, but something in her response was appropriate. Is that correct?
1: I mean, her. I, I kind of got some enjoyment out of her other shock. I would say when I first started doing that. Um, but honestly, I preferred this. Like, what? Like, I viewed her saying that as almost a. I'm afraid. Let's. Um, what's the word? Appease this guy. It's like mm-hmm. I'm humble, right? It's it sounded very mocking to me. That was preferable to let's say, like I admit something like shameful, and they're like, and the therapist is like, oh, but you're still a good person and stuff like that. Like I, that makes me want to strangle somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so that sort of more um combative approach made you feel safer. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, because it felt real. Ah, it, it feels like I wasn't tricking her. Um, if somebody's like, oh, but you're like, you're such a good person. You're so genuine. I know I'm not genuine. I know I'm not a good person. Well, okay. That's pathological me talking right there. Like, obviously, you know, what is good and bad, but you know, it feels like I'm not a good person. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody is trying to say that, it feels like they aren't actually seeing who I am. So something like that at least feels like they're kind of seeing me.
0: Mm hmm. And this is really um, one of the core features, isn't it? That feeling of not being seen and yeah. I think that feeling of not being a good person, needing to hide it and then feeling not seen as a result.
1: It, it's uh, it's something bizarre that I've been thinking about a lot recently because it's like somewhere deep down I want to be seen for who I really am. Well, I don't fucking know who that is, but, <laughs> you know, I do. Mm. I feel the need to be seen for who I am. Um, especially with romantic partners. Uh, But who I feel like I really am is somebody unlovable. Mm. And so then when they view me as lovable, I basically punish them for seeing, for not actually seeing me, therefore Ah. making a fucking self-fulfilling prophecy. That's not very fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like uh, such a trap, isn't it? Where you just go round and round and round.
1: Oh God. Yes. Yes.
0: So have you had a romantic partner where you've felt seen or fairly seen?
1: Um, that's a good question. Have I, um, I would say it comes in, I would say, I, I would say I never have felt completely seen by anybody, but okay. ironically it's the girl with the borderline traits. She, uh, said something that did actually make me feel seen. I've talked about this in my videos a few times where she told me that, Oh, what was her exact wording? She was like, I know there's parts of you that you that you try to hide. I know that you hide parts of yourself from me and that there's a lot of those parts that you don't like about yourself, but I feel like I, but everything I have seen, I love and I feel like I know you. And I was like, oh, that made me feel something.
0: Wow. Yeah. And that's funny because I have um, dealt with a, someone with grandiose narcissism recently and towards the end of our interactions, I did see the shame and I was like, why the fuck have you been hiding this all this time? <laughs> <laughs> What's I'm so wrong <laughs> Yeah, No, but it was like, it's just been tying ourselves in knots over this. Like, really? Right. Um, But yeah, it's easy to say from the outside and not easy to do from the inside, is it?
1: No, I mean, like that, it's, it's so weird because we have this intense shame and there's something primal about that shame of like, I can't let anybody see that I'm experiencing this shame. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, that, blo- that the shame that would come from letting people see that part of me blows the shame that I am basically latently experiencing out of the water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like mega shame.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Super shame yeah. has just come. It's like, Maybe, no, please, yeah. not again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep that and that's i've actually really had um some experiences of feeling really deep shame and it, it was just so cringy like oh, you know yeah. my skin was cringy it, it was horrific and i felt like numb and i could hardly speak yeah it was really really bad I, mm. yeah
1: it's uh, i i have i've actually vomited from shame before oh have you yes like, are you are it, it you willing to I,
0: share no, I, the experience
1: um, let me, so it was, Oh God, it's, uh, I'm like, see, that's the thing is that like even talking about like what, like I have several moments a day where I'll just remember something relatively minor for most people in my life. That's just like the slaves with shameful or embarrassing. I'll just be sitting there. I will something I'll like, I'll just be seeing my computer. I remember something shameful that happened to me. And like, I'll just sit there with my like head in my hands, repeating to myself, you're such a fucking idiot, or like, oh my god, you should just die, or some shit like that, trying to soothe myself. I, I guess it's almost like a, I don't know, a um, self-punishing measure to try to get those feelings away.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: even thinking about it right now is like making me like cringe up. Um,
0: but is it like... Were they always there exactly like that, or is it do you think maybe you moving in a healthy direction and it's just sort of letting out little bits of shame that you're learning to deal with bit by bit? like uh, is it doing you any good, do you think, or is it just part of the self punishment
1: i I really think it's honest it's hard to say because I think it's i think it's mainly part of self punishment because let me put it this way um once i was <laughs> i sp- I was speaking at, I, this is a little bit self-aggrandizing, I apologize, but I was, I spoke at this conference in Norway and the lady there who I was, who was my contact, we were talking about shame because she was, she was borderline in remission, um, which was really cool. She talked about like, well, do you ever experience healthy shame? And the concept of healthy shame blew my mind like I, I have never experienced shame in a way that I thought was constructive because I just get so self-defeating and stuff, so, so like uh, self-hating mm-hmm. um, and and I I think it's it might be part of pathology that I am not allowing myself to experience shame in a healthy way but I do think that the way that I experience shame at least right now is not me working through shame it's just me self lacerating with shame basically
0: mm-hmm so, and what was her, um, description of healthy shame then?
1: Uh, she, what did she, what was she talking about? Cause like she gave an example of her being in class or something like that. And I don't remember exact, exactly what it was. Um, she just gave an example of her being in class and doing something very inappropriate and feeling ashamed of it afterwards and how that was healthy shame. Cause it was basically, it's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. So this is an emotional reaction to, uh, whatever the hell happened there. Uh, I uh, I should email her, actually. I might actually do that. Be like, hey, I need your example of healthy shame, please. Yeah.
0: I still don't understand it. Please explain.
1: <laughs> can we have one more call about that? Yeah. Please.
0: And you can do a show about it.
1: No, honestly. Oh, my gosh.
0: Healthy shame. And the conference, so was this about um, cluster B disorders then?
1: Uh, y- yes. It was called grandiose yet fragile. It was a conference on uh, narcissistic personality disorder. And they had me speak to my like personal experiences and stuff like that. Uh, Cause they knew that I was like, I had like some exposure to the research. Um, it, it was really cool because like there was like, I go there and I'm like fanboying out because there's researchers there who like papers I've read. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wow. believe they're here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of uh, research was it
1: so um but most of it was uh empirical data about narcissistic personality disorder that i'm relatively speaking familiar with um mm-hmm. one of them did a uh, one of them has this one paper that i can i have it up on my computer somewhere um but it's just this really good like i think anybody who wants to learn about npd should uh, read this narcissistic personality disorder progress in recognition and treatment. Um, one of the, pe- the person who wrote that was there, which I was like, Yes, thank God. Um, and it gives case studies supporting a lot of the things that they're saying about narcissistic personality disorder, they're talking about the self esteem dysregulation, the fact that uh, grandiose and vulnerable narcissists, those aren't two separate kinds of people, right? There's going to be like pre people who pre- um, present with more grandiose traits or more vulnerable traits. But if you're a narcissist, you have basically grandiose and vulnerable traits almost across the board. Um, And the study even points out that I think it's eight, it's estimated that eight to 20% of the people in outpatient therapy are fucking narcissists. Mm. So crazy stuff that you would never even imagine just because of how our, the common culture right now has completely, just completely um, made narcissism it's taken all meaning away from it as a mental health term. It's just a pejorative and mm. there's so much misinformation about it nowadays.
0: Mm, mm. It's interesting, isn't it? I think it's, to me, it's like um, society cycles around with different um, targets and, and previous ones are now off limit. So now let's pick on narcissists. It's, it's the latest, <laughs> it's the latest <laughs> demon and who's it going to be next? I don't know. It,
1: right. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, but I feel like it's, Maybe uh, maybe it's not unique, but it is it, this is an interesting case because I think this is one of the first times that like mass media, like the internet, is being used to promote promote these ideas about um, a group of people like this, mm. right? Like because borderline's they went through a very similar phase in academia and mental health and stuff, but like that was before the popularization of the internet. Um, yeah
0: and now it's it's sort of anybody can get on and and they've got this label and anything they went through that they find painful boom they can draw on exactly. the label and suddenly it gives their it gives a lot more credibility to their experience you know it was deeper yeah. and more painful and more evil yeah.
1: it's weird in almost a narcissistic way they're being like well my experience was worse because i was with a narcissist
0: yes exactly (laughs) i go to the front of the queue
1: yeah exactly like my oh Uh, and it's so funny because it like because to me like i have some more because when i first started my channel i had like basically zero sympathy for people who were like oh i went through narcissistic abuse because i was like I was very deep in a camp of you probably didn't basically, right? Like I did not see very many people who I thought were um, expressing um, Mm -hmm. experiences that actually represented being with a narcissist. Um, Nowadays, I've kind of changed that a little bit, but there is still huge groups of people in these communities who are not saying, who are like, I always kind of make a, uh, I always draw a line if this person is just using terms like Hoover gaslight discard to describe their partner and aren't actually describing narcissistic behaviors that are unique to narcissism, like, you know, grandiosity, hiding the self um, self esteem, dysregulation, um, hell, like even things in the DSM, like they could, they could literally just say like fucking interpersonal exploitation or lack of empathy. If you really want to try to demonize them like that. But the, uh, but, <laughs> but like, when I see somebody who is only using those buzz terms, I'm like, oh, you're just one of the people who just want to prove how terrible your relationship was. And maybe it was terrible and you do want a label to be able to understand it. But there's almost a grandiosity in saying that I was with a narcissist. You know what I mean? Mm,
0: yeah. I I was married to the devil.
1: Yeah. Basically.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. But then I kind of think with this fascination slash obsession, then I think people will be interested to hear the other side. It, you know, it's become such a huge bubble. Well, let's, yes. let's pop it and see what's really going on.
1: Mm-hmm. And people are fascinated with it, for sure. It's just there's also the issue of the people who have been through genuine hurt become so closed off to hearing the other side because the internet has been like, well, they're all monsters and heartless, so fuck them.
0: Yeah, I think I think there will be a, a sort of a draw to it, and is that what you're hoping to 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 do? Is to to combat that and to spread awareness with your
1: channel? Oh, for sure. Um, and I, because like I do have a similar mindset of like, okay, we are getting into an era that like mental health awareness is becoming more pre- uh, predominant, and narcissism is all the rage. And, but the sad thing is, I mean, the sad thing is that like so many people don't even know narcissism is a mental health condition. Um, I've had people on my channel come on who are, I've had one come on who was pursuing a degree in psychology who admitted that before they found my channel, didn't know that it was a uh, actual disorder Okay. because of how we think about narcissism nowadays. Um, and I have a lot of hope for going into more positive directions, some people describe NPD as the modern BPD, right? Like BPD was seen as untreatable as like, you know, they're just crazies. Like there's nothing to do about them, yada, yada. And, but nowadays after dialectical behavioral therapy, it's viewed as a very treatable mental condition. And a lot of people think that narcissism is going along the same route. I hope to God that's the case, but take it as somebody who is in the, um, who is in the public eye a little bit, Man, it's a fucking long road to go. Let me tell you.
0: (laughs) What you mean, the therapy or the the trying to uh, humanize?
1: Oh, both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, that gives me two avenues to pursue. Firstly, what's what's your response then? How have you found uh, responses to your channel?
1: Um, to my YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, amazing. Um, it's more of the, it, it's cause it's interesting when people can see my long form content, I get very, I very rarely get any sort of hate or people call me demons. Usually it's like along the lines of like, yo, this helped me understand my partner or mother or family member so much better. And it helps me not see them as a monster, which I'm like, that's awesome. I love mm.
0: that.
1: Um, like one of like, I like literally it, it helped me feel some like feelings I was not familiar with. Uh, oh, tell me, like, tell me. Oh, <laughs> um, okay, here's a good example. Yeah uh, this this lady's burned into my memory because when I started this, I was like, okay, I'm doing this for attention and to some degree destigmatize and to vent. Right. So like, I didn't have like super altruistic goals going into this. I, I would say the de-stigmatiz- destigmatization was pretty altruistic, but still, um, my goal was not to help people who have had partners or family members that were narcissists, right? I thought those people were like, so stuck in their like beliefs that these are monsters that I didn't even consider them more or less. And I also kind of was like, Oh, no, like, I bet none of them actually have actually had partners or parents who were narcissists. Um, but then there's one comment that really like changed the direction I went not changed it. But like, you, like, I'm like, I can now appreciate that side of it, too. Is this woman talked about how her um, mother was a narcissist and she went online uh, and read about it and every single website article youtube video said go no contact these people are monsters they're master manipulators etc etc and so she did she thought that was the only option and while she was estranged from her mother uh her mother died
0: Mm. and
1: she and then after that she got back into narcissism and she found my videos and she left a long comment detailing that experience and how that it has been so, so healing for her to know that her mother wasn't this master manipulator who was going around like just trying to abuse everyone she could, but instead just this desperate need for self-esteem regulation. And I was I read like, I read that comment and I was like, Whoa, I don't know what the fuck this emotion is. This is really weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so what was the emotion that you felt?
1: I still don't know. I really don't. Um, So you felt,
0: touched by it in a way.
1: Yeah. I maybe touched is, yeah. Touched is a good word for it. Um, cause it's like, I really, it, it was weird because so like, whenever I try to do something nice for people, it feels fake. Cause I know a certain portion of it is like for my own self-esteem regulation. Right. Um, mm-hmm. like I'm like, I want them to like me. I want to think of myself as a good person by doing good things and stuff like that. But because it was completely on accident, Having that kind of impact on somebody, like it just it di- it couldn't feel fake because I didn't intend to do it, and mm. having that impact was just really fucking weird. I don't know how to describe it honestly,
0: <laughs> yeah, and then also you're actually doing something and by being yourself by being yeah. honest, and that's yeah, actually and, having a positive impact on someone else
1: and honestly like and before that, I was already kind of having like um little bits of that because like there would be like narcissistic people who are like, Oh, I actually relate to you. And I'm like, thank fuck. I'm glad that I actually am a narcissist, but, um, (laughs) but like, yeah. So I was already kind of getting that, but that was like the first time that like, just because of how unexpected it was that I was like, Whoa. Okay.
0: Hmm. And have you had more like that?
1: Every now and then I'll get one that like really takes me off guard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, and I will say like, again, I, cause I would rat on people who like, I, like I was pretty open about the fact that I used to rat on people who were like, oh, I was in a relationship with a narcissist. I was always like, maybe 10% of you actually have been. And I have a lot more sympathy towards people that have been hurt by people like me now, because I know a lot, there's a lot of them that genuinely had been hurt and genuinely aren't just trying to use this as some label in order to demonize their ex and justify their pain, right? They're actually trying to understand it and want to understand it.
0: Well, that's a good sign. That's a really Honestly. good sign. Yeah, that's a really, really good sign, isn't it?
1: It's one I didn't expect, hands down. Mm.
0: Well, yeah, because I was thinking about how it's just taken so long. When you look at the, the first development of a therapy um, and therapeutic interventions, um, it's taken so long to understand NPD, hasn't it? So it's oh, it's yeah. quite a difficult disorder. And I think it's because the outside is so different to the inside. Yes. Yeah. And that um, I guess when you're on the receiving end, you kind of receive um, a lot of emotions that you kind of can get tangled up with. And that stops you from seeing beyond. Which is the point of channels and podcasts, I think, to to demystify what is actually going on and maybe to make it easier to relate to the person underneath rather than getting caught up yes. in those outside patterns, which just keep us stuck.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. <laughs> um, I think that's honestly a tragedy when it re- comes to things like narcissistic personality disorder, um, sociopathy or psychopathy, ASPD, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and to some degree, borderline personality disorder, too, is that a lot of these um, outlets right now, they almost paint us in ways that are, it's like a Tolkien-esque sort of fantasy world, you know, it, like, it's mm. almost inhuman.
0: Yeah, you're the orc.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, I, I wish I was something better than an orc, Goddamn, yeah. but um, <laughs> But, yeah, you read these articles online, and it sounds like it's just this. Um, automaton going throughout life just trying to hurt people or trying to take advantage or yeah that's,
0: that's that is totally the thing isn't it it's like um you are you've sort of woken up and gone how am i going to live my life i'm going to be horrible i have no yeah. care or desire for love and acceptance no i'm just merely going to make other people's lives awful for the fun <laughs> yes
1: which is baffling isn't it it's like Mm -hmm. who would wake up in the morning and be like yeah i don't want i don't want love right Mm. (laughs) or something like that i don't want to connect to people like that's one of the things that i want to be alone yeah 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 that's one of the things that i knew was off about me like very early on is i was like i feel like i can't connect to people and i long for that i can't do it but i fucking want it
0: so, who who were you trying to connect to? Was this like an experience first with your parents and family members, or was it sort of peers? How do you remember oh, yeah, I that?
1: Had, I mean, my, I, yeah, I had no interest in connecting with my parents, that's for damn sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just like, yeah, just in general, like, um, when did I, I'm trying to think when I first started feeling that is like probably like late high school, is that like, i would just see people how they would have this genuine care for other people how they would seem so connected and stuff like that and i all i knew is i always felt lonely Mm -hmm. i just like i felt like isolated and alone and i told a friend about this and they were like jacob you have more friends than anybody i fucking know like (laughs) like how are you lonely and i was like i don't know i just fucking am piss off
0: So you'd you'd look at other people and you'd see them experiencing emotions of closeness and that you felt you were missing out on that. Is that what you say? Oh, yeah.
1: Even, I mean, I experienced that even to this day. Yeah. Like that, like there's an, like, I guess it's envy. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of envy there of like seeing like two people in a park where they just like look just like happy and with each other Um And I and like sometimes they won't be talking, which makes me think how do they how they know that their partners aren't bored with them or something like that. Um, And I have like this contempt too, Mm -hmm. because I'm just always like I I I just know that in my relationships I don't feel that connectedness. Like I hate like I hate hugging people sometimes because I'm because like it feels like I'm lying to them that they feel so much more connected to me than I actually am to them.
0: Ah, because you feel the contempt as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm there's like this. Oh, there's such a, there's like a shame and a resentment, it, like a resentment towards other people because they can connect to that level. And then on my end, a shame that I cannot uh, connect to that level.
0: Mm-hmm. In your mind, how do you see that relationship then if it, if it was the one that you wanted?
1: Fuck, that's a really good question. I don't know. I guess this, this like, it, cause it, it's like this feeling of like, Oh man, you may have just woken me up to how unrealistic some of my expectations are. You know, because now I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck? Am what do I want? <laughs> right? Because it, it's it's weird. Because it feels like there's just something missing when somebody like is talking to me about how much they care about me and something like that. And I'm just sitting there like, I know I don't return this to the same degree. Like there's ah. just like this knowing of it. Yeah. Um, like if you like, that's what makes it weird. Is that like I know that there's something that should be there, but it's just not. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know how to, I really don't know how to describe it.
0: Um, So you've done two lots of therapy, it sounds like, when you were a teenager and then in your early 20s. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Uh, Well, in fairness, when I was a teenager, it was, I don't think I was even in for a year, but as of right now, I've been in therapy for four years.
0: Okay. And what kind is it?
1: Um, It's classic psychoanalysis, but with an emphasis on uh, CBT.
0: Okay. And you're finding it useful then? Yes.
1: But I feel like, I feel like, I, uh, like it's helpful for me to be able to take situations in my life and be able to run them through somebody that I'm like, Hey, how crazy am I being right now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would the issue that I have with therapy for me right now, at least, and maybe it's just a type of therapy or maybe my therapist just doesn't have enough experience with NPD. It's just like i don't feel like how do i put it i do not feel like i i don't feel like the things that are are being fixed about me are the things i want to be fixed like i don't feel like i'm getting i don't feel like i'm getting less lonely or um I, I, I feel like I'm fixing myself for everybody else, not for me. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. So you feel like you're sort of less, uh, you're more destructive, socially destructive sides are being fixed. Is that correct? But what yeah. you want in yourself is not being, those needs are not being met.
1: Exactly. It, mm. It's like, it, it feels like all that can really be altered is my external behaviors. And meanwhile, I still feel empty. I still feel like I can't connect to people. I still feel like nothing I do is ever good enough. I get, okay, that one I guess is getting a little bit better, but still. Um, it's, and in that regard, it's rough, you know, like, is there going to come a day that I don't need external validation to feel okay about myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and I question that almost on, not on a daily basis, obviously, but I do question it a lot. And I think that does speak to there isn't great, um, what's it called? There's not a, there's not great treatment options for narcissistic personality disorder. Um, I mean, hell like with psychoanalysis, uh, 53% of us go into remission after a two year treatment period, which is awesome. Right. But that means 47% don't. And people want to blame narcissists for being treatment resistant. Right. But no, they just don't have a good treatment option for us that actually makes us happy.
0: Mm, It's hard. It's just hard, isn't it?
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Mm, mm. <laughs> well, I was in therapy for five years, and I one of the reasons I stopped is because my therapist retired. In fact, oh god, my my last appointment was on his very last day.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, that fucking sucks! Oh no.
0: But he was, yeah, no, he was he was great, but yeah, I mean, I had I. I was so ashamed of going for so long, but then I read more recently that um, I think it was Eleanor Greenberg wrote that it can be five to ten years. I went, oh, well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I'm normal. But, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, but I think it's like, um, you know, you, you build this up from childhood and God, how long yes. is that? And when you interact with children, you just see what sponges they are and how they work so hard to adapt to whatever they're given, um, adapt to it. And and so I guess, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to to work against and replace,
1: I suppose. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, it, it's not – I mean, how, how long does it take to fix an entire personality? You know what I mean? Mm,
0: probably a lifetime.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think – I mean – Hell, I would. I would make the argument that I don't think any personality is ever good enough. Right? We all. We all always have work to be doing, personality disorder or not.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I would agree. And and so in that case, I would say that fucking people with personality disorders should. I feel. I mean, okay. That, in fairness, I feel like everybody should be in fucking therapy for life. But um, mm. specifically us, because there's never going to be a end of healing.
0: Yeah, there's always more layers to discover
1: yeah unfortunately
0: so therefore if someone is listening who would like to seek treatment um for NDP what what do you recommend
1: um in terms of types of therapy or how to proceed from there
0: yeah in types of therapy and also what has actually helped you
1: so my so my big thing is when you seek a therapist uh like because if you realize you have NPD or you suspect that you have it. Um, and you're trying to get into treatment, like go out of your way to find somebody who specializes in personality disorders, because 90% of therapists, um, like they're not going to know what the fuck, uh, the reality, like the stigma in around personality disorders in, uh, clinical settings is similar, like it to a similar degree bad as it is just like on the internet. So you gotta be careful about who you find in that regard. And, I would say that – and you also have to kind of go in and know that it's going to be fucking uncomfortable as hell. I spent t- – I wasted two years of therapy just lying. <laughs> <And it's, laughs>
0: but it, and, that's progress. <laughs> Seriously, like yeah. learning to trust someone takes a long yes. time. And,
1: and that's a big thing too. It, like I would say that like – don't get me wrong. It was a waste to lie for that long. But it was necessary for me to be able to be like, okay, I can actually – Be open with what I'm experiencing without feeling this dread of being judged. Right. And sometimes it feels almost, especially when you're early on your healing, it feels like it's impossible to not lie, to not hide things and fucking to some degree, maybe it isn't uh, possible at that point, but you have to go in kind of realizing that like, that is what you're trying to work towards. You're like when you feel that shame of something that like you're that you want to say to them and you just can't and you just have to come up with something to just kind of cover it up or to deflect and shit like that, like you gotta remember you gotta keep that thing in mind and be like, okay, that's something that needs to be brought up at some point, even if I can't right now.
0: Okay, so um, you're saying that that kind of awareness of yourself as you as you're doing it is helpful yes. without if before you even get to spitting things out that are, are quite quite difficult, yes. yeah. Yeah. And I, I, sorry, I, I, well, I was going to say when I did mine, I thought, well, actually, it is appropriate for me to be, to have taken this time because you can get really, really hurt. Really, yes. really hurt. So you have to respect that and sort of go at the pace. That you need to or test, you, you know, you do need to be able to test um, to prove that it is yeah. safe. Yeah, because I mean, so many people mm-hmm. are not able to cope with the things that you would say uh, in the way that you need them to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And especially if they don't know what your deal is yet. Because mm. I mean, I feel like um, so many therapists will go into something assuming that, like, somebody with personality disorder. Is going to react like some like how they would expect a non personality disorder person to react to something, Mm -hmm. and that can end up feeling very hurtful and invalidating.
0: Yep, yep, invalidating. Yes, that's the big word. that That's what I experienced is that invalidation of how I felt. Yes, and God, that hurts.
1: That really, really hurts. it, it was so for me it was so constant too because it was like i was always it felt like i was always looking for this specific reaction and it would never come because like because i was only giving them half truths and just try to try to feed them things to say what i wanted them to say and that would never fucking come um and i would set myself up for it in certain ways but also they don't understand what we need a lot of the times
0: mm. so you're talking about therapists or or people or both
1: uh, i was may- I was specifically talking about therapists, but fucking people do that all the time too. Let's mm. be real. Like, yeah. oh my god, do that.
0: Mm. Okay, so like,
1: yeah. oh, that's, oh, yeah. like, one, like one thing that I hate when people do is when they're like, "Oh no!" Like everybody experiences that. I want to strangle somebody when they say that. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't. You don't experience this.
0: Yep, maybe just on a very shallow and fleeting. Right, yeah. rather than a profound and constant.
1: Yes, exactly. It's like okay, you maybe you experienced that for one second when you were I don't know a few months ago, but no, you don't know what I mean.
0: Yeah. So you're saying that to, to find a um, successful therapy, um, you you seek for or you look for a, a therapist who has experience, but also you work yourself to test and to observe what's going on and, and sort of start to underst- understand yourself and see, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that there are things that you need to do.
1: I mean, I, I genuinely believe that 90% of your healing happens outside the therapy office, right? Oh, the, okay. The, the, the therapist's office is a helping hand, right? It, it's, it's to let you, it's to basically, it's a little light to be like, okay, this is what you should be working on. But how much of the, but like, if that's, one hour, that's one hour a week at most. You, you have to basically take the insight you get at therapy and then use that to work on yourself while you're not at therapy um, because there's no way that your therapist can just guide you through your entire journey like that because, well, they're not there. Maybe mm-hmm. if we get some, like, therapists who are, like, full-time for you, then maybe, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, it's up to you.
0: So is this talking about the CBT and practicing CBT techniques?
1: Um, for me, that's what it revolves around usually. Um, but I feel like growth can, I feel like your own growth can kind of exist outside even the context of any sort of uh, model of therapy, right? You can practice, you can practice DBT, you can practice CBT, and those will probably be helping those techniques will be helping you a lot, but it's also just like, you know, practicing self-awareness, asking yourself, why am I doing these things? Uh, why do I feel the need to do these things? Uh, how are people going to react to me doing these things, et cetera, et cetera that are very necessary questions for you to uh, be asking yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like modifying behavior. And then have you modified your behavior and had reactions that were really meaningful then because they were different to what you expected?
1: Ooh, like, I, I think like the most apt thing to compare this to would be with vulnerability, right? Like being able to be honest with somebody for me, and I expect them to like reject me and tell me I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but instead they're like, Oh, like, no, that's cool. Um, <laughs> and like it, 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 it's mixed results, I would say. Um, okay. cause I think an important part about vulnerability for people like me is to recognize that like, we, we don't want to be vulnerable cause we don't want to be hurt. And you know, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> in my mind. Mm. Um, Mm. But I think the most important part about vulnerability is realizing you're going to be hurt. Like we're not wrong when we kind of think that people are going to hurt us when we're being vulnerable. It's mm. just that they're not always going to hurt us. There's going to be people that don't. Okay. Um, and what took me a long time to kind of get to is asking the question of how worth it is being vulnerable compared to the uh, potential being hurt. I was kind of forced into it because I had a TikTok that went viral and all my friends knew one day.
0: um,
1: So I was kind of forced into it and I'm not going to lie. Like hell, like when you have a stigmatized personality disorder, um, there's going to be some not great reactions to that. And I lost, uh, I lost like one or two friends over it, but I also kept a bunch of friends who are like very valuable to me to this day and don't, view everything i do through the lens of my narcissism
0: so you basically you you um reveal your diagnosis on tiktok is that correct and then yes. your friends saw it and some of them disappeared but a whole lot went hey that's cool
1: yeah basically yeah um well because nobody was immediately like well you're a narcissist i don't want to be friends with you because that would i think anybody would find that buck wild <laughs> but um there was there were a few people and i think and this is why I think people should be careful about sharing their diagnosis when they're a narcissist is that like, there were a few people who started viewing everything I did through the lens of narcissism or what they perceived narcissism to be, right? They're like, oh, well, what if he's just manipulating me right now? What if, like, oh, he's self-aggrandizing, even though he's coping with his grandiosity with humor, um, and would judge me for it and, or assume that I was, had ill intent. But then there's a lot of people who are like, okay, this is something Jacob struggles with. This makes sense, but let's treat him as a person first. And those are the people that like have stuck around and are like actually good friends of me.
0: Okay. So they've made a space for you. They've kind of said, we're taking into consideration what's going on for you on the inside. We still yeah. accept you. And yeah. Do, do yeah, they- Exactly. Yeah. Do they ever give you sort of helpful feedback or support or something that, that you feel they're using that knowledge?
1: Honestly, so here's the thing is that I think the best feedback I get is when they aren't taking my narcissism into account. When they're just like, this is how I know Jacob. This is what I know about him mm-hmm. and why I think he's doing the things that he, and like, don't get me wrong. A lot of times it does coincide with narcissism. Um, but because, but they aren't restraining me into the box of narcissism mm-hmm. because there's going to be as so much presentations of narcissism as there are our narcissists. Yep. And a lot of the times it's not helpful of view- you through that lens, unless I specifically bring up, okay, I think this is something that has to do with my narcissism. Uh, let's tackle it from this angle. Why do you think I did this? Because I am constantly asking people, why did I do that? But, <laughs> um, is that,
0: is that so you, you're trying to get in touch with the emotions, do you think, or trying to Partially. figure out how your, your mind works?
1: Yeah, because, like, I mean, like, my entire life, I didn't know why I did things. And I would have to defer to other people be like, why the fuck did I do that? And, and, and were they,
0: to, is it generally helpful? Do you find they give you good answers?
1: I have, like, a handful of people who I'm like, yeah, they consistently give me good answers. Then there's a bunch of people who it's like, well, I mean, I can kind of accept that okay, how would they know? You know what I mean? Mm, mm. So I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Um, But I do generally find that asking, I usually, if I do something that I either regret or I feel like, hmm, that was kind of weird, why'd I do that? And I ask people, generally it's helpful to be able to get their input on why they think that I did the thing that I did.
0: So you're you're really reaching out and, um, yeah, getting help. You found a way to really manage um, and to grow by, you know, asking other people for assistance, that sounds like.
1: Yeah, and it started – and I think I lucked out because I started very small. Um, For up until I became basically open my diagnosis and expressing it to the internet and stuff like that, um, I had one friend who I would ask this stuff to. And I had like a very good rapport with them because I viewed them as – similar to me on a different hierarchy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Hierarchical thinking, you know, whatever. And I would defer to them for like certain, like basically for like insight like that. And I was and because of, because of my relationship I had with them, I very much lucked out that I was able to be comfortable asking for input about this sort of thing. And then once I realized that, Hey, not everybody's stupid and worthless, and or hates me um uh and being able to ask more people it diversified the amount of perspectives i could take on my own behavior
0: okay so even yeah so that sounds to me like you really are growing
1: unfortunately yeah quite a
0: bit (laughs) (laughs) he can keep the childlike fun parts too
1: Uh, i will we'll see um
0: (laughs) So the, un- the last thing I was going to ask was, um, what would you like from society as far as um, treating people with NPD?
1: There's so many angles to come at that from, you know, because um, are we asking, because we could go come at it from like, oh, mental health institutions, which I think could use a, because I've been to inpatient before. Um, and let me tell you, not a great space to actually try to grow and heal. Weirdly enough. <laughs> You're talking you-
0: about being in a psychiatric hospital. Yes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ooh. how it felt for me as I went in there, they're like, Hey, here's some meds leave. <laughs> that was like, my. Oh, really? that was the- <laughs> that's what it felt like. Honestly, they just want to throw medication at you and put you back on the street as fast as they can. Um, mm. I actually got into a fight with the doctor though. So they did kick me out, but whatever. <laughs> um, hey, you didn't then, like
0: it in there anyway.
1: Yeah, true. I was trying, I was trying to get out in fairness, <laughs> but, um, but so obviously there's some, there's ways there needs to be a lot of reform at uh, the level of mental health institutions, but that's uh, entire, like, I don't even know where to start there. Mm. Um, when it comes to people who are clinicians, I feel like we need clinicians to be way more educated on personality disorders than they are at this point. Mm. Um, Because a lot of them, like obviously if you don't specialize in personality disorders, like you don't know what the fuck is, like (laughs) you don't know what the fuck's going on at all. Mm. Um, My therapist didn't specialize in personality disorders. And so I was kind of, I was lost to the wayside there for a second in terms of what my diagnosis was and the issues I had to work on. Um, And then when it comes to society, Well, I think every single person in the world just kind of needs to realize, hey, everything you think about personality disorders is probably wrong. Um, Mm. Sorry, but no, like being able to kind of uh, grapple with the idea of being hurt by somebody like us, because I think it's very disingenuous to um, say that people like us don't hurt people, right? Because we do. Mm. And that is what it is. And, but to be able to kind of grapple with that at a level of, yeah, I was hurt by somebody like these people. That doesn't mean that every person who has a disorder is my um, abuser or person who hurt me. And also that my uh, abuser or person that hurt me is still a person who is just sick and doesn't know how to handle life right now. And mm-hmm. that there aren't enough institutions in place to be able to properly treat them and get them the help that they need. Like these are sick people. They're not malicious. Um, and I say this as somebody that has a sister with antisocial and borderline personality disorder, not a pleasant okay. combination, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, what I, what I, the reason why I started the podcast is I thought the outside is so different from the inside. And if yes. people could understand the inside a bit better, they could talk to the inside rather than the outside, um, yes. and bypass all that other shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is a big job, but hey, let's start chipping away at it, which is what you're doing.
1: I'm trying my best out here. Mm.
0: So yeah, thank you for sharing everything that you have here. Of course. Um, Yeah, and this is a good place to wrap up. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nameless Narcissist, for coming on and um, sharing what's going on for you.
1: Of course. Thank you Again, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. the makers of pd raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviors in fact we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.